Okay, are we doing it? Are we doing the clap? We're gonna do the cold open clap, yes. The cold open clap. Okay, three, two, one. Yes, welcome to Monday. Welcome to another episode of You Can't Be Sick on Mondays. Um, hope you're having a good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this. Um, how do we do this? <laughs> what are we going to talk about today? What are we talking about today? We're talking about propaganda. Big topic. Big topic. Should I start with the definition? What even is propaganda? Let us know, Samson. Let us know. Sure. There's there's three definitions actually. Whoa. Um, cap. Uh, so, propaganda capitalized is a congregation of the Roman Curia having jurisdiction over missionary territories and related institutions. Whoa. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's number one. Really. Number. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, that's why I was like, I was surprised with the... I didn't think that would be number one. I thought that was just history of propaganda. That is what the capitalized, capital P propaganda is. Wow. Supposedly. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, Number two would be the spreading of ideas, information, or rumor for the purpose of helping or injuring an institution, a cause, or a person. Okay, that's the one I'm familiar with. Yeah. Um, and then number three is ideas, facts, or allegations spread deliberately to further one's cause or to damage an opposing cause. Also, a public action having such an effect. That's propaganda. That is propaganda. Propaganda is today most often used in reference to political statements, but the word comes to our language through its use in the religious context. The Congregatio de Propaganda Fide, uh, quote, propagation, oh my god, Congregation for Propagation, oh my gosh, Congregation for Propagating the Faith, was an organization established in 1622 by Pope Gregory the 15th as a means of further furthering Catholic missionary activity. The word propaganda is from the ablative singular feminine of propagandus which is the gerundive what is this word gerundive g-e-r-u-n-d-i-v-e i have no idea what that word is hello google help it us der- okay <laughs> which i'm gonna just say which derives from the latin propagate means to propagate <laughs> the first use of the word propaganda without the rest of the Latin title in English, was in reference to the Catholic organization. It was not until the beginning of the 19th century that it began to be used as a term denoting ideas or information that are of questionable accuracy as a means of advancing a cause. So with propaganda, it's very interesting because to me, in my layman's definition of propaganda, like what floats in my head anytime I think of it, is communication or actions that are used to influence 
and further an agenda. So I know in the actual definition, it talks about influencing uh, an ideal or group, and it can be either towards like distrust of something or trust of something. And I didn't really think of it like that. I always thought propaganda was to build trust in something, not promote distrust in something else, which is very interesting because I didn't know it had two sides to it in my head. Yeah, it's it definitely has both because when I also think about, like the first thing that I think of, okay, there's two things that come to mind when I think of propaganda. One is fascist propaganda. Mm-hmm. And the second thing being wartime propaganda, like the picture of Uncle Sam pointing at you, telling you to buy war bonds or like you to join the war or something. Right, right. Um, which is like technically positive, right? Because it's, it's in promotion of something. It's supposed to tell you that, I mean, there was tons of other war propaganda that was not just Uncle Sam, but that was supporting our troops and you know the war is a good thing (laughs) and a lot of stuff so the war bonds thing especially so that's that's that but i obviously now as an adult no like learning about it i'm like well that's just indoctrination in my eyes but um Mm -hmm. and then the fascist propaganda is um well Tucker Carlson from (laughs) Fox News is fascist propaganda. So I will not keep his name in our pod. (laughs) I I I wish he would. (laughs) Oh, I can't stand him. Ew. I can't stand him either. He's horrible. He is horrible. So Samson and I got on this tear of propaganda last time we recorded because we went on some side tangents and then we're like okay we need to do an episode on this and basically it's been on our list for a while actually it really has and I'm glad we're doing it sooner than later I kind of wanted to talk about how propaganda and government work together because sometimes we think of the government as this public entity that is not using any sort of um, marketing or sales tactics on the public to you know prove its innocence or you know how great it is or whatever it may be trying to market to the public and my opinion is this i don't think that government entities that are there to serve the public are ever marketing to the public it is just propaganda it is just influence of the general public because they have influence. And if you really think about it, any money they use to market to you is public money. (laughs) So it's not, you know, it's either grant money, it's public money, it's tax money, whatever that is. It's not like they're, they're selling a product, making money and then marketing their nonprofit, you know, it's, it's government. It's, it's anyways, So I was kind of, from my history in law enforcement, there's a lot of things that happen where police try to influence the community in a positive way, right? They want to be viewed as community members. They want to be viewed as individuals who are always there for you, got your back, you know, we serve the community and the community supports us and it's this happy family situation. There's... um, you know, this whole line of 
let's do things with cops to humanize the badge, right? We want to humanize the badge. We want them to be humans. And the reality is, is cops are humans and everyone knows that. They just happen to be humans with power, and a lot of them abuse that power. There's never question in anyone's mind that a cop is not a human. That's like, it makes no sense to me. And so when this campaign goes around of humanizing the badge and community policing, it's just like, why, (laughs) you know, why, why is it happening? So I kind of wanted to talk about a few things that I was involved in when I worked in the government that at first it didn't feel like propaganda to me. It felt like, like community outreach. It felt like fun and like volunteer type stuff. And then as I kept doing it, it started to feel more like I'm trying to influence these people to believe that we are something that may or may not be true you know Mm -hmm. i felt like it was a really hard reach to prove that we were people and humans and community members and it's like why are we working so hard to prove that if we are that right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if we are community members and we are humans why do we have to prove that to anyone with free hot dogs in the park (laughs) you shouldn't have to (laughs) right yeah. So yeah, very quickly, I wanted to just let people know what community policing is. It's basically when police decided to become more involved in local communities in order to deter and reduce crime activity. Our community policing origins in the United States started in the 1960s, and I wonder why. Um, (laughs) What was happening in the 1960s that needed more police in communities? I don't know. So the history of it is the police would often respond to criminal actions with brute force and police reputation was subsequently damaged as it should have been damaged. And so there was a distrust. And I think this parallels with a lot that's going on today. I mean, since the sixties, we have had cycles of police distrust in our communities. Right. And so there's always this push for community policing And it's like this cycle of, oh, no, our cops did something bad. Let's do a community event where people get to know the cops and chat with them and show support. And, okay, now everything's dampened down. And then, boom, something happens again. And then it's like, oh, let's do a community event. (laughs) And and it's never addressing the actual issues. I I would say now more than ever – Um, since George Floyd was murdered, the issues are being addressed. You know, police departments are taking steps to change their training policies, their hiring policies. It's actually happening now. Whereas I would say what we saw from the 60s to the 80s with police riots, I don't know if we should do a history on what I know about policing, but (laughs) not now. If people are interested, let us know. Maybe that could be a bonus episode or a live that we Mm -hmm. do. Yeah, we, we will go live on Instagram if, if folks want us to. Um, yeah. Follow us on Instagram. You can't be sick on Mondays. No spaces. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, so 70s and 80s, lots of riots, all, all that stuff, community policing push, right? Then 1992, LA riots, and then community policing push. And then <laughs> we see school shootings starting, community policing push. Mm-hmm. And now let's get cops in schools. Let's get, let's get every school has a cop now. 
And then we see, you know, uh, Michael Brown gets murdered in uh, Ferguson and we see a community policing humanize the badge push. And I think that was what, 2013, 2014. And now 2020, George Floyd. And instead of the cycle continuing of just like, almost like an abuse cycle, right? Like, oh, we're giving you flowers and giving you compliments and everything's good and now we're gonna hurt you. And then, you know, the circle, we're seeing actual change happening in a lot of departments across the United States. In my opinion, it's it can't happen fast enough. It, it should be an overnight change, but it's not, and I don't know why. Perhaps that's a police union episode <laughs> to talk about. Oh my god, I want to talk about police unions. Oh my god, <laughs> I want to talk about it. Next episode. Okay. Next decided. episode. Awesome. So, um, I feel like I'm talking a lot, Samson. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Uh, it's it's great. It's really important information, and we need to hear it. And that's why okay. I'm not interrupting. <laughs> okay. Um, that's a little bit of the history on community policing, and I do believe that there are officers today who go through the academy and become cops and have no idea the history of policing. Which makes no sense to me. Right. Yeah. I like when I was in the academy, I learned. Um, I wasn't in the true police academy. I was in a probation academy, which is a little different. But I learned that policing started with bobbies in Europe. And the thing with that is like, okay, so that's very old police history. What's what's current police history? You know, like, mm-hmm. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but if you're going to become a cop today in today's society, please know the last, you know, 25 years, 40 years of policing history in your community. Learn it. Um, sit down with someone, ask them about it. Because if you really want to be a good, productive police officer in today's society, you need to know the history of what the police have done to your community that you're serving so that you can, so that you can be the difference and that you can be better. So yeah, anyways, soapbox. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so Bobby's in London, but we also know, and I, I just feel like it's important to acknowledge that the police that we have, the model of policing that we have today also in America came from, um, specifically policing recently released African Americans who were enslaved, like formerly enslaved people. Correct. So yeah, and I say it that way, I make that distinction as well, because they're not slaves, they're people that were enslaved. They're not, right. you know, that is not who they are. It is something that happened to them that was forced. So yeah. um, anyways, but that's, you know, I think that's also important to acknowledge that like there's also a history that is rooted in racism that was mm-hmm. specifically to try and make people who were formerly enslaved, enslaved again. So just want to throw right. that out there. Yeah. And I think it's good to note as well that community policing uh, started, <laughs> I maybe I shouldn't say this because I, I didn't check my notes on this one, but from what I remember, community policing started in South Africa and it had to do with policing the black communities. I don't know if you know much about South African history or what's going on today. Very, very segregated racist communities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for us to have a model of policing based off of a country that is very divided, you know, sects of their communities believe that there is evil 
in people who are dark skinned and it's like what most of my mm, older childhood uh like middle school to high school was a lot of watching law and order reruns like the original law and order by dick wolf the like dun dun you know that one (laughs) yes you know Sam Watterson, Waterston playing Jack McCoy and Anita Van Buren playing uh, Merkerson and Orbach playing Lenny, you know, that whole like gang, like was, those were like, <laughs> just like regular faces in my home, which is like I love it. weird to say, but I love that. My dad was obsessed with Law and Order. I'm pretty sure he's seen every single episode and always would tell me the ending. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't, stop telling me who did it before they tell me who did it. That's such like a dad thing, right? I know. Come <laughs> dad. Oh, your dad and I would get along because I'm the same way. Like, oh, I've seen this oh episode. This is what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You would get along with my dad. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so obsessed with Law and Order, and so my like image of police was these guys that went in and asked the questions and like found out who did it, and you know helped to solve the case. And then you have you know the lawyers that are on the side of the people, and there's all this like dirty stuff happening behind closed doors, but like justice always prevails. Um, not always. Sometimes they sometimes they don't win, but they right. always know that like they I don't know should have should have won, and like they know who did it, and like they still are condemning the person who committed the crime and all that stuff. So you know that gave me a really specific image of like detective work, and so I I think growing up, if you see that all the time, you assume that all police are doing that kind of detective work, and like, Mm -hmm. are really trying to hold people accountable for their wrongdoings. And also, you know, the crime is always, like, really heinous. So you're never seeing, like, them arresting the guy for having weed in the back of his car. Like, that's not, like, part of the the show. (laughs) So... (laughs) Or the person who steals. Yeah, or the person who steals or, you know, the, like, any of the petty crimes or the, like, Mm -hmm. low-level offenses. Like, none of that is ever there. It's always something like murder, uh, forgery of, or, like, uh, money laundering or, like, medical malpractice or something, you know, something really bad. Right. And I just want to go on record and say that I really don't like Law and Order Special Victims Unit. I have never liked that show. And maybe it's because it's a little bit too close to like my previous employment as a mm-hmm. like advocate and educator for survivors. Like I just don't think that that is good to like re-traumatize myself with because those episodes get really gruesome and they. Yep describe things and i just don't need to hear like actors playing victims yeah um and recounting when i already like hear about that in my daily life you know yeah and and it's not realistic it's just not and they they make you believe that if you are a survivor of uh sexual violence you're going to get 
some sort of justice in the end and the reality is that the majority of survivors who try to go and take their abuser or rapist to court um they don't actually even get to have their moment in court often and then the ones that do don't win so you know that to me svu and the original law and order are the epitome of cop propaganda other than the show cops propaganda copaganda it is copaganda yeah. <laughs> yeah other than law and order and cops which is just a terrible show i mean why was that ever televised it's so bad i loved cops years ago it oh, was like God. my favorite thing to watch and that's the thing though is like it's hard to not watch it like i feel like as especially as americans we love that kind of like reality tv that's really trashy oh yeah and we love the like absurdity of it and the kind of grossness of it yeah i used to watch it with one of my very close friends years ago was a deputy and her husband was a sergeant of a police department so you know two cops in one household and i was working for the sheriff's department at the time and whenever i would go over to their house and have dinner we would watch cops and the entire time was their commentary on uh, you know, oh, that's officer safety issue. I would have done it this way. And so like they were using it as almost like homework. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm sitting there not knowing what their lives are like because I'm brand new to the career and just being like, that was cool. Like, you know, like just this wow. almost like a little kid where I'm like, I, I thought that was good. Like, And they're like, oh, this this was uh, – they get sued for this if if that ever happened at my department and this 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 and i yeah it was so funny to me that is hilarious and also a little bit like sad and because because to me it's like why would i want to make more work for myself (laughs) during my home life yes i we would watch that and then um there was this other show where it was female officers i think in florida and it was like the ladies of lake whatever or you know something like that or the ladies of something county and um we were watching that one and i was like gosh i i don't like watching these because i like we do it all day like aren't you supposed to watch tv for escape like yeah yes yes and that's also why i don't like svu (laughs) like yeah i don't i don't want to watch stuff that's sad and i don't know now i don't even really watch tv so there's that but i watch tv because i watch trash tv anyways anyways what what are we talking about here copaganda i guess just to wrap that up the the propaganda is that when especially this year as you know all us white people are learning a lot about the world i i never really liked cops because i also had my own really bad run-in with police and like Mm -hmm. as a white person it's also i'm very thankful that i wasn't harmed further or even arrested but it still was like a very traumatic event kind of up until that point and even somewhat after that i still didn't have a super negative connotation with police which to me just means that the propaganda worked you Mm. know i was made to believe that the majority of people are good 
and they're willing to help me at whatever cost, and there's just a few of them that are those bad apples. But we know that's not true. Uh, So (laughs) yeah, the propaganda worked for me at least. Well, it's the saying is, is one bad apple spoils the barrel. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if the majority are good. I am friends with amazing people who are cops. The profession they do is not what it should be, in my opinion. And I think it creates we've talked about this it creates burnout it creates monsters it creates situations where they are desensitized to being humans towards other people and i think it also the type of work it is it it very much pulls to a certain type of individual and mindset which is authoritative and powerful people or um, people who want that, right? They want Mm -hmm. authority, they want power. When that type of behavior is awarded, you are going to have people in your industry who are bad people, period. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be as good as good comes, but there are people who you are associated with who are willing to kill children just because they're black and have a cell phone in their hand and they'll try to justify it. You're working with people who are willing to shoot someone in the back who's surrendering and then throw drugs next to them. You know, this this is stuff that's on video, people. This is not Mm -hmm. stuff I'm making up. Like, this is, it's just bizarro land, you know? And it's hard for me sometimes because I was in it for so long and I (laughs) I see so many different sides to it. And I see the people, the people who do, so so much good for my community you know like I can only talk on my experiences but on the other hand I also see the things and the patterns and the behaviors and how the leaders lead and how they they break down your spirit and they break down the person because they as much as like as much as like a leader of a police department goes ooh let's humanize the badge let's do this humanize the badge they don't want you to be a human they want you to be a machine for them you are a tool for the department mm-hmm. you are a tool you are someone who is 24/7 on call right you are 24/7 on call you cannot have a life You need to agree to bizarre things like, oh, yeah, I'll work for your department for five years and do this and that and whatever. And it's like, what if your dream changes, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you're made to feel like you're this gross, disloyal person. Like, here's the thing with jobs, people. It doesn't matter what job you do. If you need to leave that job, if you are a doctor and you're saving lives and you need to leave that job, leave the job. It's like, I don't understand this whole loyalty thing. You know, I I was given that talk when I wanted to leave the sheriff's department the first time. It's like, where do your loyalties lie? And I was like, with myself, goddammit. Like, it's my life. Fuck all this shit. Like, I had a life before you. I'll have a life after you. Like, and I think there's just this, there's this internal propaganda that's happening of influence on people that makes them feel bad for wanting to be outside of the industry more you know Mm -hmm. wanting that work-life balance is bad all your friends should be cops you should date cops it should all be in-house and it's just like you should date cops ew (laughs) ew 
There's uh. like this thing. There's this thing where it's like they date in industry because there's like, oh, people understand. These people understand my schedule. They have the same schedule. I understand that. I get the appeal. But here's the thing. When you are a cop, surrounded by cops, married to a cop, wh- when are you ever learning anything other than what you're being fed? When? Right. Because then when you're married to a cop, surrounded by cops, and all your friends are cops or people who work in law enforcement, then you're coming home at night and watching cops. I wanted to tell you a little bit about uh, some community policing efforts that I was a part of when I was working at the police department. And there's two that I I mainly want to talk about and then one if we have time. But other people may have heard of this. It's called National Night Out or NNO and then Coffee with a Cop. And these are two efforts that are pretty national. Um, There's typically like dates set throughout the year where it's like, oh, if you're in these states, you have National Night Out on the first Saturday in October or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, And coffee with a cop is kind of sprinkled throughout the year. When I was first part of it, I thought it was amazing, right? Like I, I was like, wow, this National Night Out, we get to have vendors and food and the community comes out and there's like raffle prizes and kids do a bike decorating contest and a parade and you know like it's very community oriented and I love that right I love events that bring people together what I didn't realize though until the second year I did it is that it wasn't meant to bring people together it was meant to show the police department in a positive light, which in my community, my chief was very uh, strict about the image of officers. He didn't want intimidation being done, like intimidation tactics. He didn't want officers handling their guns in front of people. He didn't want, you know, like, so there, our community is small and the police department has like a lot of rules surrounding what you would normally think (laughs) would be happening day to day. So I I do think I was shielded a little bit from the norm outside of my department for police policing. Um, Because I think my chief was very, he he had an idea of what police should be. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that aligned with they need to be there for the people and not be there against the people type of thing. But I just didn't understand why we were doing these events to promote positivity and community interaction with officers when we already had that throughout the year and when the community's outlook of our department was already so positive to begin with. And so that's when I started kind of digging into what is this national night thing (laughs) because it just it wasn't making sense. It felt it felt weird, right? It, It felt kind of like like we were duping the public almost you know and not that I knew things were shady or anything there wasn't anything shady happening it just felt very weird to me for a police department to spend money and time and host an event for a community it feels like a waste of money which is the city's the city's money the it's the people's money so right why would we waste money on something like that 
for the national night out in my community, I don't know how it works in all the other communities, but in my community, they would go out and most of the money that was spent that was public money was the hours of time the public employees were working on it. So the money for the food okay. and the event and all that was fundraised. And so it was like the grocery store owner would donate all the hot dogs and then and the buns and then like the gas station owner would donate all the ice and drinks and then the the rotary would bring their barbecue you know like it wasn't us doing all of it but it was a lot of our time like i think the first year i did it i clocked over 45 hours of work on it for a two yeah for a two-hour event it's only two hours long yeah what Yeah, I mean, I guess it could last longer, but I mean, I never worked it more than two hours. So, so the next year came around and I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't, you know, here's the checklist, but National Night Out's website basically says that together we are making communities safer, more caring places to live. And it's a national community building campaign that promotes police community partnerships. So when I was doing research and reading that, and I saw that word campaign, it made me feel like it was a marketing tactic. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel like kind of skeezy, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily believe this was started to be that, you know? I, I think it was something where communities were seeing a lack of communication between the department and officers and the actual citizens being served. And so they created this event. But if you are a department that only does the event and does no other work to have open communication with your citizens, that event means nothing. It's propaganda. Yeah. And like the department I worked for, um, we always had these types of things happening all the time. But National Night Out was the only one we put on type Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, uh, there would be times where, you know, I mentioned coffee with a cop, for example, that was typically the coffee, um, companies like the local mom, pa type coffee shops, they would ask us to come and do a coffee with a cop event. So we weren't putting that on, but then coffee with a cop became a thing, you know, it became like a. A national night out type thing. Yeah, wait. I worked at Dunkin' Donuts one summer when I was um, home f- between college semesters, and we had a night a day where cops were in the coffee shop. Like, but it was a Dunkin' Donuts, which I think is like, yeah, m- makes less sense than what you're talking about, where mom and pop was like, "Hey, come do this because we live in the community, and a lot of community members go here." Like. Duncan de- definitely had a group of people that were some regulars, right. but we weren't like, you know, Duncan's known for their drive-through, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're not known for hanging out. We did have, um, we did have coffee, coffee with a cop type thing happen and cops would come in kind of frequently. I don't know. I, now that I think about it, I definitely was freaked out every time a cop came into the store. This was before I had that bad interaction. So... So coffee with a cop, it, it, you know, I don't know how it all started, but in my community, how it started was these local mom paws would be like, hey, do the cops want to come on a day and serve coffee and 
pastries and talk to people and we'll make it an event. And then we found out that there's this actual national event called Coffee with a Cop and and they would help promote your event and all this stuff. And I'm going to read what it says on their website because it's also very... I don't know. It makes you feel kind of weird. It says building relationships one cup at a time. Coffee with a cop brings police officers and the community members they serve together over coffee to discuss issues and learn more about each other. The mission of coffee with a cop is to break down the barriers between police officers and the citizens they serve. Why are there barriers? Yeah, that's my question. Why, why are there barriers? If we, if we as a country, if we as a country have had the norm of community policing in our systems and our training since 1960, why are there barriers in which this is needed? So if you are a police department, an entire police department of 52 officers listening to this right now, why are there barriers between you and the community you serve? Right. Why is that happening? Is it your leadership? Is it your city management? Is it you? You need to ask yourself that. Why are there barriers? Yeah. You know? So, and they talk about building trust and casual atmosphere and it being in person. And it's just kind of like, it feels like, so again, I feel like this is propaganda when it's the only thing you do to build community trust. When you have a, a department that's doing more than that, awesome, great keep keep doing it be better be the be the example <laughs> you know right but whenever it was happening and i went to them i one i don't drink coffee gross <laughs> two i'm not a cop gross no um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know when i went to them it was always just like it it just didn't feel good and it was always the same community members you know like when you live in a small town there's like those eight people who go to every town hall who go to everything and they have the same questions and in my community it's always what about the roads what about the roads who's gonna fix the pothole on main street what about the sign on this street it's like (laughs) what do the cops have to do with the roads So there was an effort done by my uh, local police department in my community that was deemed hot dog with a cop, you know, and it was a park event where they served hot dogs, but it was also mainly a homeless outreach event. So, you know, there's a lot of homeless people in my community, houseless people. And at that point in time, we had no shelters or anything like that. Um, this was quite a few years ago. And so they're doing this hot dogs for the homeless. I was telling Samson before we started recording, and I was also telling Jeff yesterday, that I thought it was really interesting that we did an event at a park for the homeless to feed them, but then later that evening would kick them out of that park if they were sleeping there. That's so disgusting. I know. And so it's like that type of outreach effort feels like propaganda right because it's an event that's being publicized on social media by the news all these things were but then it's not the second half of it is get out of my park you don't belong here people like come to my park you belong here we'll feed you get out of my park you don't belong here and that really I just remember when that happened, this was quite a few years ago, and it just, it didn't sit right with me. I wonder why, but luckily later, 
I think a year later, the state of California put out a law that you couldn't kick houseless people out of a public space if they were sleeping and they needed to sleep, which, you know, good on California for passing that. But this, of course, happened before that. And it was allowed to just be like waking waking people up, you know, like they finally found a safe space to rest and then you go and wake them up because what, there's a park rule, there's a city ordinance. How's that humanizing the badge? How are you right. human in that moment, shaking someone awake who's been stressed out, you know, in survival mode for what, years? And then you're like, hey, you can't sleep here. You can't sleep in this public space. You know, just kind of bothers me a little bit. There's a lot of things about how the houseless are treated that bother me, but that's for another time. Well, everyone, I want to thank you for listening today. As Samson said, don't fall for it. It's, it is really hard to know what is good for us and what is being propagated to us. Um, I hope I use that word correctly. Anyways, I also want to thank the people who sent us emails and commented on our videos and Mm -hmm. teasers and all of that. We really appreciate it. If you want to email us, it's you can't be sick on Mondays at gmail.com. Our TikTok and Instagram are you can't be sick on Mondays. If you want to follow us and send us messages or comments, we absolutely love it. And Samson, you have anything to say? Have a terrible day. Have a terrible day. <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> With hatred and darkness for balance in the world, we hope you have a terrible Monday. Thanks. Bye. phase where i was really into jersey shore oh my god i Um, love jersey shore gtl gtl yeah